It's great to be here today, and you know, uh, praise God for not only our kids' ministry, our worship ministry, uh, give it up for Andrew, Sam, everyone else. Can we just give God a hand? I'm looking out at all of you from this perspective. It's a unique perspective, and you all look really good. Turn to the person next to you and say, you look really good today. Just go ahead and do that. ready for a, uh, a final teaching, not a final, we're actually going to keep this thing rolling, I think, another teaching on bring me another jar. If you are, grab your Bibles, grab something to write with, a journal. Uh, we're going to dive in today and talk about something I think is uh, very important for all of us as followers of Jesus. And uh, as you do that, I just want to say this, I was, you know, we're rolling through all of these, these names of Jesus in the worship song. And I began to think about, you know, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Redeemer, Messiah, Emmanuel, all these things. And I just want to say as we get started, something really, really simple and really profound. But God loves you. Like that God who is greater than any other being in the universe, who created the universe, infinite, almighty, all-knowing. Like he loves you personally. And what can separate you from the love of God? The Bible says nothing can separate us, right? Even if you've been on the run from God. Even if this weekend has been rough and you feel like you've fallen away from God. Let me tell you something. God still loves you. Paul says to Ephesians, and I love this prayer. He says, I pray. That's my prayer for you as we get this started. I pray that you would have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of God. And then check this out. And to know this love that actually surpasses knowledge, that you might be filled to the whole measure of the fullness of God. That's pretty amazing. But not only does God love you, God wants to speak to you personally. God wants to talk to you. He wants to say some things to you. That God we sang about, he wants to talk to you personally. <clears throat> and we need to have the ears to listen. So if you want to hear from God, you've got to know how to listen to God. You have to have the ears to hear. And with that, I'm going to ask you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to go verses 9 through 13. And I'm going to ask you, if you would, I know it's kind of tradition around here. Go ahead and stand with me, 1 Kings 19, 9 through 13. The main character in this passage is Elijah the prophet. He is desperate. Uh, he needs to hear from God. And so let's, uh, let's just pick this up. Here we go. Strengthened by the food, Elijah traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. 
And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The ESV calls it a low whisper. The New American Standard calls it a gentle blowing. The King James calls it a still small voice. It's hard to translate what happened here. The Hebrew actually says it's the sound of gentle stillness. But Elijah heard something, and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the title of my sermon today is The Quiet Place. The Quiet Place. Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We began the morning with some silence for about three minutes just to kind of dwell in your presence with no distraction. And Lord, I pray that as I unpack this passage of Scripture and as we talk about the quiet place, this important place that we need to carve out, Lord, that you would speak to us. You are the God of the universe. You are all the things we sang about. And Lord, you want to speak to us personally, intimately. So God, I pray you would help us receive this teaching and build a quiet place for you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So after the fire came a gentle whisper. A low whisper, a still small voice, the sound of gentle stillness. And I actually looked up the word whisper in the dictionary, like, what is a whisper? I mean, I know what it is, but I wonder how the dictionary defines it. Check this out. To speak very softly using one's breath without vocal cords. I started thinking about that. That the whisper of God is basically God using his breath without vocal cords. I started to think for a minute, isn't it interesting when you use that definition that maybe like in the Garden of Eden, God whispered Adam and Eve into existence. I've never thought about that. Or that maybe when Jesus showed up in in John chapter 20, and he's there with the disciples, and he is getting ready to breathe on them the Holy Spirit, maybe he whispered on them the Holy Spirit. I, I wonder about that. And oftentimes when God speaks, he speaks in a whisper just above the threshold of hearing. And why does he do that? Like certainly God has an outside voice, right? He can get our attention if he wants to, okay? But but he speaks in this whisper. And, And the reason that he doesn't always speak in a loud voice is because he wants us to lean into him, right? He wants us to lean in. He wants us to... To be close, like when somebody's whispering, my little six-year-old will whisper to me. I put my ear right next to her, her voice, and I get really close to her. And sometimes what God has to say to us is less about information and more about intimacy. And so sometimes he speaks to us in a, in a whisper. By the way, I'm going to try every three minutes or so to create like a tweetable quote of some sort. So that would be one right there. Um, It's not always about information. Sometimes it's about intimacy, right? Elijah needed to hear a whisper from God. So who was Elijah, actually? Well, Elijah was, I mean, he was like a spiritual rock star, all right? I don't know if they had rock stars back in the old days, but a spiritual giant. He was right up there with Abraham and Moses and the gang. 
And people actually thought Jesus Christ was the reincarnation of Elijah. Okay, so he was a big deal in Israel's history. He was a big deal. He prophesied during the, the reign of a guy named King Ahab and his wicked wife, uh, Jezebel. Just to tell you how wicked these people are, the Bible says in 1 Kings 18, Ahab did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those kings before him. And that's saying something. And his wife was even worse. This chick like her gal. Uh, I was going to take that out, but systematically destroyed all of the prophets of God, killing them one by one. Like Ahab and Jezebel, you know, she's known in circles I run in. And like when you're a bad person, you got the spirit of Jezebel. Like it's like Jezebel. She's a bad lady. And when we come to 1 Kings 19, Elijah is on a spiritual high because... He just saw God rain down fire from heaven, route 450 prophets of Baal. He was then miraculously given strength to outrun a chariot 18 miles to Jezreel. He has been working for God for years. He's put it all on the line. He's been faithful. God showed up. He's on a spiritual high, he's excited, he's pumped, and yet he's tired, he's worn out, he's ready to rest. He knows this is going to be the thing. This will be the thing that causes Jezebel to repent. This is going to be the thing that's going to, going to bring Israel back together. And instead, she doubles down. Oh, you want to do that? You want to rouse some of the prophets of Baal? Then I'm going to put a hit out on you, and I'm going to send everybody after you. And let me just tell you, in 1 Kings 19, when we come to Elijah, the Bible says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. You know, it's easy to put these prophets on a pedestal, these men and women of God on a pedestal. You know what James 5.17 says about Elijah? He was a man just like us. He was a human being just like us. He dealt with stuff we deal with. In fact, in verse 4, he's alone in the wilderness. And he cries out, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I've had enough. I'm done. I'm tired. Anybody here ever been tired, worn out, burned out, maxed out, depressed, discouraged, frustrated? Maybe even a bit weary. Maybe even a bit angry. Maybe feeling a little discouraged. Yeah, I haven't either. I've never been there either. But if you have, if you have, it's a tough place to be. And Elijah needs physically some help. I would say if you've ever been burned out or burned out in ministry or life, 1 Kings 19 is an amazing prescription. Uh, God comes to Elijah. He gives him food and water. And it's just this really cool story. But then he knows he needs to speak to Elijah. And so he says... In verse, um, later on as we read in, in verse, um, I think it was verse 9, you know, he has Elijah come to him to Mount Horeb, which is actually uh, Mount Sinai, and speak to him. And this is what Elijah says. The first thing Elijah says when he gets there. I have been very zealous. No, I don't know how he spoke. He probably spoke really a lot different than that. But I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too. So, let me translate that for you. 
Do something. Do something. Show up. Fix this. I've worked hard for you, God. I know you're a miracle-working God. I've seen you raise a kid from the dead. I've seen you rain fire from heaven. I've seen you rain water from heaven. I've seen you do incredible things, Lord. Fix it. I'm all alone. I'm abandoned. People are out to get me. I need to encounter you. I need to see you. I need your presence. I need you to work a miracle. Like, zap me. Right? Zap me. Just, I just need you to zap me. Do something. The Lord said, okay. Okay. Um, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Because the Lord is about to pass by. What do you think Elijah's thinking right now? Okay, yeah, here we go. Here we go. I need this. I know the story of Exodus 33. I know at this exact same mountain, Moses had this exact same request. And Moses said, show me your glory, just like I'm saying. And I can't wait to see it because you remember the story with Moses, right? He hit him in the cleft of the rock. His glory passed by. Moses' face started glowing. For weeks and people knew he was in the presence of God. Like it was an amazing thing. Show me your glory. He knew the story. And so Elijah goes in the cave. And all of a sudden, this violent wind sweeps across the ridge and roars across the canyon over the top of the mountain. And stones and boulders come loose and crash upon the rocks. And then earthquake comes through. He's looking out and everything. And then the fire comes in. Bushes and brush and trees are all burning up and it's crazy and Elijah's back like that and then all of a sudden I get rain, I get all that. But <clears throat> it was like the sound of gentle stillness. I, I can't describe what it was. And it was like this gentle whisper. And I've never seen this side of God before, maybe. Maybe I've never seen this side of God. Maybe, maybe I needed that side of God. Maybe I've seen that side of God and I needed it again. Maybe I thought I needed a miracle. I thought I needed fire, and I thought I needed earthquake, and I thought I needed wind, but maybe I just needed a whisper from God. Maybe I needed some reassurance. Maybe I just needed God to approach me in the sound of gentle stillness. And the Bible says that when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. Whatever Elijah heard, it changed him. Whatever Elijah heard, God recommissioned him. When we look at the passage after that, we see Elijah's ministry took a new turn, a new wrinkle. But God needed to speak to Elijah in a gentle voice for him to hear exactly what he had to do. Let me give you another thing to write down. Nothing will determine your destiny more than learning how to hear the still small voice of God.
Nothing will determine your destiny more than learning how to hear the still small voice of God. It'll help you seize divine appointments. It'll help you tune into what he wants you to, to hear. Not only that, it'll help you tune into what you need to say to somebody else. And you'll create an intimacy with God by familiarizing yourself with his voice. So if we want to hear the whispers of God, uh, we're going to need a, a quiet place. We're going to need a place where we go, like a cave, maybe not a cave, but like a, a closet or a room or some place where we can develop this quiet place to actually begin to hear from God. Do you have a quiet place? Do you have a place like that? Uh, some of you, when you heard the title of this teaching, you probably thought about a movie that came out called The Quiet Place. Anybody ever heard of this movie called The Quiet Place? I won't have you keep your hands up if you've seen it. Um, <clears throat> it's a scary movie. I've not seen it. It stars Emily Blunt and John Krasinski, and let me give you the plot, okay? It doesn't have anything to do with hearing whispers from God, by the way. <laughs> Excuse me. Sightless aliens with sharp hearing have taken over the planet, and anything that makes a sound is killed. Does this sound fun, like a good movie? <laughs> a married couple and their children are part of the few that remain, and they live on an isolated farm in the middle of the forest, and their primary obsession is to be as quiet as possible. One wrong noise could attract the aliens and result in their death. And I thought about this movie for a minute, and I thought, this has everything to do with my sermon today, actually. It's a metaphor for life. They need to find a quiet place to survive the forces that would try to take them out. If their lives become too noisy, they would be attacked. It's dangerous to live a noisy life. And this is one of the chief strategies of the enemy, right? To get us to live a noisy life. To get us to live a life where we all of a sudden get consumed with so many things that the enemy slowly just kind of takes us out. And when you think about it, here's another great tweetable quote. Chronic noise may be the greatest impediment to your spiritual growth. Chronic noise may be the greatest impediment to your spiritual growth. Um, I don't like when things get quiet, I'm going to be honest. I, I like to move, I like to do things, I like to, you know, I wake up in the morning, I'm ready to go somewhere, do something. Let me, let's go do something, right away. That's just how I feel. But I'm convinced now that chronic noise, man, you cannot lead a spiritual life and be hurried. In fact, hurry is one of those chief things that comes against your spiritual life. There's a great book by a guy, um, John Mark Comer, it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Just like get it out of your life if you want to grow spiritually. Because our, our, our world is noisy. And I've given you a lot of, of, of sort of illustrations, but let me give you another one. I have four beautiful girls, three of them kind of wave, just so we all know. Yeah. I'm embarrassed, I'm a little bit. And when they were babies, I kid you not, and every parent probably feels this a certain way, when they were babies, my babies had supersonic hearing. <laughs> um, when I would rock them, and I would put them to sleep, and I would set them in the crib, like every parent, I would tiptoe out, right? 
And invariably, I would step on the only creaky floorboard in the entire room, right? And then, right? Parents, any moms ask, can you relate? Or one time, I remember I put my baby, you know, into her crib, and I stepped out, and I went to open the door, and oh, doggone it, I knew I should have adjusted the door, it was stuck a little bit, right? One time, we got the door fixed, got the floorboard fixed, put the baby in the crib, she just slightly rolls up. There's a crinkle in the mattress. Dang it. <laughs> right? So we decided, you know what we need to do? We need to invest $34.99 in a machine. We found out there's a machine out there. And it's got one button on the machine and a cord. That's all this machine is. It's just a button. And you push the button... And it's a machine that makes noise. If you've never had kids, they have these. You say, why would you want a machine that makes noise if your kids are waking up because of noise? I don't know. It works. It's called a white noise maker. That's the name of the machine, right? And we paid $34.99 and praised Jesus. It saved our marriage. Here today. Here today. As living testimony. You don't have to spend $1,000 in counseling, all right? Why boys make your parents? And so we plugged that in. I've actually thought, this is kind of a funny little side note. I actually thought, what if that machine actually didn't put my kids to bed? What if they were still crying, but we couldn't hear the noise? <laughs> I thought my kids are going to be in counseling like their entire life for some of that. Um... But you know, life is a white noise maker. And you can't hear the small details, the voices, the leadings, the discernment, the voice of God. Why is that? Well, it's a constant drone. Radio, podcast, social media, television. Got the AirPods in when you run, when you walk, when you wake up. It's traffic, background noise, anxiety. Kids, the next deal. The market, how's it doing? Oh no, I've got that thing to do. It's the to-do list. It's everything. It's just white noise. And it's always there. It's just always in the background. And so it's hard to get along with God. And sometimes we think in that, because of all that white noise um, and the shallowness that we have, we think that when things get bad, we got to hear God in like the earthquake and the wind and the the fire and everything. And I think what God's saying is, no, I'm not going to show up in that way. All you need to do is just turn down the volume of your life. Turn off the white noisemaker. Because here's the deal. I've been talking to you. I've actually been talking to you. And I've been saying a lot of things for a long time. And you're just not listening. And you want me to show up in like the fire and the wind and the earthquake. But I'm just here to say I've been saying a lot of things to you. Will you put together... A quiet place? Will you create a quiet place? Will you carve out time to actually listen to me? Will you bring me an empty jar like we've talking about and maybe empty some some time? So what can we expect when we finally carve out quiet time with God? What can we expect when we have been very, very busy and filled with white noise and all of a sudden we create a quiet place and now we're alone with God? What can we expect? 
expect to hear. Well, I want to show you a picture, and I don't know how many of you have ever been inside of one of these. Um, this is called an anechoic chamber. And it sounds like something out of a thriller movie. It sounds like something in the Quiet Place movie, uh, but it actually is not. But the truth is, an anechoic chamber is a pretty unnerving place to be. It's a, uh, a room isolated from external sound. Some are encased in cement more than a meter thick. When you come into the chamber, you'll notice fiberglass wedges on the wall, ceiling, and flooring to prevent sound waves on the inside of the chamber. And the experience of being inside one can be quite frightening. I've been inside of one of these for a little while. Uh, it's really scary. You can't hear yourself scream. It's really weird. The only sounds you can hear in an anechoic chamber are the sounds that come from within. So, you can hear your bones creaking when you walk. You can hear your heart thumping so loudly in your head you can't turn it off. I heard my blood rushing through my veins. Some people say in the best anechoic chambers, you can hear your nervous system, it's a high-pitched frequency. Some people can't stand the silence. Some people don't like to be alone with God. Some people don't like to be quiet. Some people don't like to turn off the background noise because <clears throat> they can't stand the silence. They don't want to be alone with their thoughts. A technician for a major speaker company was locked inside of an anechoic chamber for two days. He went in on a Friday or Saturday night. They found him on a Monday morning. He was psychologically scarred. He couldn't get away from the sounds that were inside of him. When you spend time alone with God, and I know you want to be watching TV or the AirPods or whatever you got in the background noise, but when you let the let the noise die down and you just <clears throat> sort of sit there and you wait for a minute, um, like there's going to be the sounds of rushing thoughts that come through your mind, right? There's going to be the fires of worldly desires that you need to like drown out. There's going to be sort of the earthquake of the stress and anxiety and rumblings that are inside of you. And you have to sit there long enough to let that stuff pass by. And you know what? That's a hard thing to do. It's hard to sit in God's presence alone. And I'm saying right now, at the beginning, when you spend time alone with God in a quiet place, you have to learn to, okay, I cast my anxiety on you and replace that with peace. I cast my cares upon you and I receive compassion. I give you my will, God, and my desires and I receive your desires. You know, it's interesting in uh, 2020 when the pandemic hit, I was going through the book of Psalms and I felt like the Lord gave me a word from Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. And it goes on and on. Though the mountains quake with their surging and on and on it goes. And at the very end at verse 10 after the crescendo of all of that is this. Be, be still, be still and know, <laughs> be still and know I am. Be still and know I am 
God. Be still. Be still. Get in my presence. You need to get quiet. I want to speak to you, but my voice is going to come probably as a whisper. And you got to get the white noise out. All the white noise of the world. But then when you get alone with me, you also got to deal with the noises inside. And you got you to give that to me. Because I want to take it from you. I have some things I want to say to you. They're really important things. They could determine your destiny. But you got to get quiet. And it doesn't happen by default. It happens by design. You got to plan for it. You got to travel 40 days to get there. And so I want to give you three really simple questions. Super practical. Number one. Where is your quiet place? You might want to write that down in your notes right now and maybe answer that. Even as I'm speaking, where is your quiet place? Where do you go to get quiet? Is it a closet? Spare bedroom? Your car? (laughs) A basement? Come on, moms. Locked in your bathroom? All right. But where is your quiet place? Where do you go to get along with God? You know, Elijah went to Mount Horeb. It's funny, in Exodus 33, Moses, the Bible says, Moses used to take a tent, and he pitched it some distance away from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting, and that's where he would meet with God face to face. Jesus, he went out to a mountainside to pray. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, 17 kids. Anybody here have 17 kids, just out of curiosity? Say we got that whole section right there. That's a good church plant right there. <laughs> but here's the deal: seventeen kids. She couldn't get away. I've read the journals. Susanna Wesley would put a blanket over her head, and when the blanket was over her head, that's my quiet place, kids. <laughs> hey, John, get out of here, right? Hey, Charles, guys, get out of here. That's Mom's quiet place. What is it for you, uh, Jonah? His quiet place was in the belly of a whale. (laughs) God couldn't get his attention any other way. For Daniel, it was an upstairs window facing Jerusalem. For Joshua, it was Gilgal. For Jacob, it was Bethel. Gideon, the oak tree, and Ophra. We all have the stories. We know the stories. But there's quiet places, like whispering spots, where God wants to whisper, and he wants to say something to you, and we've got to find the place to do it. So create a quiet place. And I would say on a side note, make it a place you want to go. Not like downstairs in the unfinished basement behind the washer and dryer with the single light bulb, right? (laughs) And like, you know, um, I mean, let's, you know, spice it up a little bit. (laughs) Brew some coffee, maybe. That's good. You like coffee? All right, then wake up and have coffee with your quiet place. That would be great. Amen, brother. Create an environment. This is a special place. This is where you get to meet with God. This is where God speaks to you. And I've talked to a number of you, and you all have these places, but these are quiet places. Is it out in your shop? Is it down in the basement? Is it on a walk in the woods? Where do you go when you need to hear from God? Number one. Number two, when is your quiet place? Jesus went early in the morning while it was still dark. You know why? It's the only time he could go. People were crowding him. But he knew he needed it. Empty your calendar. Empty an hour. Empty a busy schedule. Empty 15 minutes, right? 
take out the the noise and, and schedule it. Here's another one. If you want to do more by doing less, get into God's presence. If you want to do more by doing less, get into God's presence. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying it's passive. I'm just saying sometimes we think we have so much to do, we don't have time to do it. And I would say if you want to have time to do it and do it right, get in God's presence. There's a famous quote by Martin Luther. He had a lot lot going on a certain day. He said, man, I need to pray three hours today. Like I need to spend more time in God's presence today because I have so much going on. So when is your quiet place? The psalmist talks about God like this. Check this out. I love it. God, you are my refuge. God, you are my fortress, my shelter, the shadow of the Almighty, my quiet place. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Quit hiding from God and start hiding in God. That might be a good idea. Don't hide from God. Hide in Him. Don't run from Him. Find the place you need to go. Where is it? When is it? And what will you do when you get there? What will you do when you get there? The posture is listening. The posture is, God, I'm waiting to hear from you. The posture is, I want to listen to what you have to say. Yeah, you need to wait. You need to let the sounds kind of filter out. You got to let the the noise die down. You got to surrender your anxieties and fears. But can I encourage you to bring something with you in your quiet place? And it's not your smartphone. Bring a Bible. Bring a journal. Now, I've seen Steve's Bible, and his Bible is his journal. I mean, it is. And I've seen some of your Bibles, and your Bibles are your journal. Great, just bring one book. Yeah, but John, my smartphone is my Bible and my journal. Man, I will buy you a Bible. You need a physical Bible. I will take your $800 smartphone and give you something that's a whole lot better. You know why I say that? Not because I'm old and anti-technology and any of that stuff. It has nothing to do with that. If you are the one in a million people that can hold a smartphone and read the Word without distraction, man, go for it. Pull it out and do it. But I would say get a physical Bible, and I would also say get a physical journal. So I know we've lost the art of writing. I know we type everything, text it, voice to text, all that stuff. You know what happens with me? When I actually put pen to paper, it slows me down. This is not like a discipline in speeding up. This is a discipline in slowing down. So bring a Bible, bring a journal. Why do I say a Bible? Well, obviously, because it's the Word of God, okay, is how God speaks to us. But secondly, because I know God speaks in a lot of ways. He whispers in a lot of ways. Um, But oftentimes when He whispers, uh, the whispers that come through dreams and words and all that stuff, oftentimes they get filtered through something. They get filtered through the Word of God. I want you to learn how to understand and hear the Word of God. I want you to understand how to hear His voice. You know, God says, my sheep know my voice. And they'll never follow the voice of a stranger because they don't recognize the voice of a stranger. 
So where will it be? When will it be? And what will you do there? I'd encourage you to bring your Bible and just listen to what God has to say. So I close with this. I'm going to invite our worship team uh, to come up. I close with this. When I was about uh, 30 years old, I had to uh, come to a place in my life where I was willing to suck up my pride. Now, I'm only 31 today, so this was last <laughs> Over 10 years ago. Uh, that's vague enough. Um, I had to suck up my pride. And I had to admit the fact that as a 30-year-old, I was hard of hearing. My grandfather, my father, they both struggled with this hearing thing. I found myself with the same struggles. I couldn't hear like the T's and the P's and the S's in conversation. And I was just missing a lot. It's like I'd be in conversation and it just all kind of felt like white noise to me. And I knew I needed hearing aids, but I didn't want them. I did not want them. You know, pride, vanity, I mean, whatever. I played sports, played basketball. I just, I don't know. I just didn't want them. I didn't like the way they fit. I didn't like the way they felt. I don't want hearing aids. No. And finally, when I was 30, I was in a staff meeting. I won't go into the story. I misunderstood a very key phrase. <laughs> and I found myself in an audiologist's room. I humbly, 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 stepped into an anechoic chamber where they began to test my hearing. And during that appointment, I was officially diagnosed with genetic nerve deafness. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Grandpa. Thank you, Great-Grandpa. Thank you, Great-Great-Grandpa. Um, it's a progressive deterioration of the hearing. So for the first time in my life, I was fitted with hearing aids. And I came out of the chamber, I sat with the audiologist, who for the very first time in my life, he took two hearing aids, connected them to his laptop, placed them inside of my ear canal to hear. And after learning all the little frequencies like that I needed to learn how to, how to hear, he programmed them in, and then he turned them on. I could almost start crying. I mean, it was, it's like a person who finally understands a complex equation. Yeah. It's like someone who's looking at, you know those weird dotted things where you're supposed to cross your eyes and they turn 3D? It's like when someone sees it, <gasps> I see it, right? I had this flood of, of sounds I've never forget, uh, never heard before. And I remember saying to my wife, she's here in the front row, I said, what is that low like? Like, what is that rumble? And they're all started to like, are you talking about the traffic outside the window? Oh, yeah. I've never heard that before. Hey, what's that little, I keep hearing this like, you mean the click of the mouse on the computer? Is that what that is? I didn't know that made a sound. I didn't even know that mouses clicked like that. And then I remember as I was sitting there, I heard the AC blowing in the background. And then I had the audiologist play a piece of music, a piece of classical music. And I began to hear sounds in that score that I had never heard before in my life. 
Even the voice of my wife became clearer. It, it changed my life. And the sounds, the whispers, the voices, the things, they were always there. They were always there. But I couldn't hear them. I, 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 didn't, I couldn't distinguish between what was there and what wasn't before. It was all kind of white noise. But when I put these hearing aids in, man, it was like everything just got real crystal, crystal clear. And as we wrap up, the question I want to ask you is, what have you been missing? What have you been missing? What has God been trying to say to you? He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to speak to you. What is the word from the Lord that could change your life or the life of those around you? The best use of your time is in His presence. It's getting alone with Him. You can save yourself from wrong decisions, wrong actions, wrong thinking. You can open the door to new dreams, new things, new opportunities if you just take the time to build a quiet place and listen. Elijah wanted to see God's glory. He wanted Him to speak. And God said, nah. No, I'm not going to come in the fire anymore. Stop running from event to event, miracle to miracle, wanting to hear God and all these big things. Why don't you just get quiet? Why don't you just take out the white noise? Why don't you just listen? You know, in the Gospels, to follow Jesus meant to follow Jesus. He was a physical person. So when he said, come follow me, they left their nets and they physically followed him. You know where Jesus is now? He is ascended and sits at the right hand of the Father physically. So what has he done? He's given us his Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus that dwells inside of us. And if you want to be a disciple of Jesus and follow him, the number one skill of a disciple is to be able to discern the voice of God and know what he's asking you to do. How can you be a follower if you don't know what he's saying? you got to have a quiet place. You have to listen. So as we close today, I, just, I guess I just want to say this. Um, I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. I just want to say this. Um, number one, do you have a quiet place? Number two, how often are you there? And number three, what are you doing? When are, there? are you listening or are you just doing a bunch of stuff? And if you need prayer today, I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be a decision you need to make. It could be uh, something before you. You need wisdom. You need discernment. I don't know. If you need healing today, if you need to pray on behalf of someone else, please come forward. But as you come forward for prayer, can I just say this? When you go back to your seat, will, will you just remember this? I can hear from God if I would just carve out a quiet place and listen. So we'll take some time here this morning just to open this up for prayer. Um, again, come forward if you need anything at all. Uh, but if God's spoken to you in this message and you need to pray with somebody, uh, maybe you need to hear the voice of God. Maybe there's a decision in your life you need to make and, and you're not sure what to do. Maybe for you it's a, a you know something you've been struggling with for a while and you need some, some prayer. Please come forward. For that. Lord, thank you for this time together. Thank you for the opportunity we have to get in your presence and listen. I pray, God, as we wrap up this morning, um, Lord, that you would give us uh, just, a, just a sense that you want to speak with us. 
But we need to carve out this quiet place to be with you. God, I thank you. I love you. I praise you. And I just ask this, God, in Jesus' name.